Hey everybody, this is Hunter Howard. I'm the lead pastor of Encounter Church. Here at Encounter Church, our vision is helping people encounter God. And that's what I pray and hope for you today, that you will encounter God through this message. Enjoy. I am really, this morning, just, um, I don't think excited is the word. (laughs) This uh, new series that we're going to get started with this morning is something that has been building um, in me. And I feel like it's been building in the church now for, for quite some time. Uh, about a month or so ago, I preached a message on our value for revival, right? Getting a clear vision of revival and what for us that means. It means to host the presence of God. And we talked about one of the ways that we host the presence of God, that we intentionally go after the presence of God is by the way we pursue holiness. Everybody say Holiness. And what we're going to do over the next about four weeks is we're going to develop this topic of holiness, okay? Although next week we're going to have a, a little break from the series because we've got Chris and Heidi, but, um, and that's going to be awesome. You want to be here next Sunday because you're going to hear some stories, okay, about what God's doing around the world. But um, it's going to take a few weeks to really develop this topic because the topic, the subject of holiness is something that is all too often misunderstood and because there's not a lot of understanding and a lot of of knowledge and revelation about the subject of holiness it's very often under taught or just not taught about at all in the church nowadays and a lot of that comes from the fact that holiness used to be taught wrong For the longest time, holiness was taught as a list of religious rules and regulations that none of us could ever fulfill. Come on, somebody. And so what happened is that the church for a long time has kind of even shied away from holiness. But I don't know if you've ever read the word of God, but it says without holiness, no one can even see the Lord. So holiness is quite the important topic. And it's going to take some time to develop this and and, and the things that I want to teach you. It's been growing in me for a couple of months now, so I want you to bear with me as we really dive into the topic of holiness, okay? The title of the series is Uncommon. Turn to somebody and say, you are uncommon. Turn to somebody else and say, you're different. (laughs) All right, now be careful with that one. As, everyone say uncommon. That word is going to take on over the next month, it's going to take on more and more meaning as we look more and more into this, okay? But as with most series, we typically have a verse or two that are sort of our theme verses and even, if you will, memory verses. By the time, most of the time when we get to the end of a series, Most of us have memorized the theme verse, which is my goal for us. And so we're going to read a couple of verses again and again and again throughout this series. And then we're going to go into a lot more of the scripture. So I want to start with our theme verses. And uh, I want us to actually read it together. So just so uh, we're all reading the same thing and we don't sound crazy when we start to read together. How about we just follow along on the screen? This in, uh, is actually the New Living Translation and it is 2 Timothy 1.9. Let's try to read it all together. Ready? For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan from before the beginning of time to show us his grace through Christ Jesus. Let's read just that first sentence one one more again. And all caps, I want you to say it with gusto. All right, ready. For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. Uh Uh-oh. Now, I could preach the entire message today on this, but I'm not going to. I'm just going to give you a couple of statements from here that we're going to continue to say again and again, and we'll we'll dissect it and digest it more as we go along. But here it is. From this scripture, we learn holiness is God's 
call for every saved person. Well, what's my calling in life? You may have an, in fact, you do have an individual calling. You have gifts and talents and, and something God's called you to do with your life. But let me tell you, every person that has been saved, and if you're not saved, today is your day to get saved. Today is your day to call on the name of the Lord Jesus and be forgiven of your sins and be born again and be saved. But if you are saved, you are called. And what is the, Let's go back to the scripture. You are called to what? Live a holy life. Holiness is God's call for every saved person. We could say it like this. If you've been saved, you've been called to holiness. Another thing we see in this scripture that is so amazing is that holiness is actually a part of grace. Holiness is a part of of grace. It says God did this to show us his grace right now. Again, we'll, we'll go more into that in the future because that's not the, the main topic today. But holiness is God's call for every person that's saved. And holiness is part of grace. Let's go to our second verse that is one of our, our theme verses. And this one's real easy. Um, 1 Peter 1.16. Let's read it all together. Ready? One, two, three, go. For the scriptures say you must be holy because I'm holy. Now let me read it to you how it says it. Because a lot of times we read and we don't, we don't read it with um, the feeling, the emotion in it. Or the tone of voice, right? How many of you have ever received a text message and you read it and then later you ask the person, why did you say that? And they're like, I didn't say it like that. So we have to be careful with the text, the word of God. The Bible is text, right? So let me read it like it says it. It says, you must be holy because I'm holy. How many of you have read this scripture before or at least heard it? How many of you have never? It's all right. But I used to read this and hear this. You must be holy because I am holy. Or you must be holy as I am holy. It says, you must be holy. Come on, turn to somebody and say, you, because I am holy. And this is going to be something we're going to really bring home today, and that is this. Holiness. I, I want to invite you, if you would like to follow along in your bulletin, it'll help have some, uh, some little lines there that you can uh, use to take notes and stuff. But this is the main point today, and that is holiness is based on identity. Holiness is based on identity. Again, since this topic is kind of often misunderstood, not taught on uh, very much, it's going to take a little while to develop the concept. But as we progress, this word uncommon is really going to take on a lot of meaning for us. And so today I want to start with a message that I've titled Identity Matters. Identity matters how many of you know identity matters in today's message all I'm so glad all of you are here I'm so glad to see all of you at church today and I'm so glad for all of you watching or listening to this later because today's word is going to set us up it's going to be like a foundation for all the rest that we're going to teach about holiness if you want to get the rest you've got to get today if I don't understand this thing about identity today all the rest that we're going to learn about holiness really won't find any place to land We've got to have a landing pad, right? We've got to have a foundation that we can build on. And the foundation for us pertaining to holiness is identity. Come on, somebody say, identity matters. I was thinking about it, and uh, I wrote a poem for you. Is that cool? I don't do this often, but when I do. <laughs> Last time I wrote a poem was Love Wins, and it was about four years ago, right? So I wrote a poem, and you can look, actually, it's down there on the bottom of your, uh, your bulletin, and I just want to read it to you, and then we're going to come back to it again at the end, okay? It says this, I do not, not because I cannot, I do not because I am not. I do not just because I can, I do because of who I am. 
Identity matters. When I was a child, I grew up in, um, in, in South Georgia in a little town called Statesboro. It's near Savannah, for those of you that never heard of Statesboro. And um, my grandparents, both sets of grandparents, actually, must be a South Georgia thing, but they all had goats. And I don't mean like two or three goats. I mean like herds of goats. Just lots of goats. My grandparents loved goats. And I don't know how it came to pass but they also had a goose. One goose. Later they had many birds. But I remember growing up, they were like, seriously, my grandparents, I called them Mima and D-Daddy, okay? Mima and D-Daddy. They had like several, why are you looking at me like that? Some of y'all call your grandparents even funnier things, all right? Mima and D-Daddy had like several dozen goats and one goose. That goose thought it was a goat. It walked around with the goats, with the, with, the, with the herd. It like even made funny goat sounds. Like the, it, it didn't walk like your typical goose that's just like, it, it, I mean, it still obviously was, his anatomy was a goose, right? But it like walked just along with the goats. It made funny noises, not just normal goose sounds, but kind of like goat goose sounds. It went wherever the goats would eat. It would go wherever the goats would go. Why? Because that thing thought it was a goat. It grew up with goats. It was surrounded by goats. So the poor goose thought it was a goat. How many of you know identity matters? Now that's silly, but there's a lot of people out there Many of us, having lived a great part of our life not understanding who we really are, and because we don't understand who we really are, we don't act like who we really are. Come on, somebody, say, identity matters. You want another example? Hit the screen. Turn it up. Come on. Look <laughs> down. That's not my father. It's just my reflection. No! Look hard. You see? He lives in you. someone and say remember who you are and that was the sermon amen goodbye see good event 
If you can grab a hold of this reality right here, I'm about to say it's three words. Your life will change forever. Ready? Actually, it's four. (laughs) (laughs) Behavior flows from identity. That goose acted like a goat. It's behaved like a goat because it thought it was a goat. I don't know if it at one time knew it was a goose and forgot because it hung around too many goats or if it never really knew that it was a goose in the first place. I, I just remember the goose falling around the goats. But most of us have seen the Lion King. Who, who's never seen the Lion King? All right. Okay, no one raised their hand. <laughs> most of us have seen the Lion King. If, if, if you haven't, you know, Simba, the king's son, had forgotten who he was because of a traumatic situation he had gone through. He had been accused of killing the king even though he had not. It absolutely wasn't his fault. It was the, it was the enemy's fault. It was the bad guy's fault. Who was the bad guy? You might remember. Scar, right? And, and the enemy had killed the king and had blamed uh, Simba. And so Simba kind of just took on that identity. And because... He kind of took that upon himself instead of remaining as the son of the king who would become the actual king. He ran away and he started acting like something he was not. Hakuna? Right? No worries, right? How many of you know that is not a king's motto? He made some little friends. A pig and a lemur or whatever Timon, I don't know what he was, Whatever that thing was. I still don't know what that thing was. <laughs> Meerkat, thank you. And he kind of took on their identity. He started eating grub worms and bugs and leaves. And like, how many of you know that is not what a lion would eat? He, he stopped acting like a lion and he started acting like his friends because that's just, he just kind of took on that identity and... But when he had an encounter with his father, he remembered who he really was. And from there on out, if you, if you know the story, he goes back to the kingdom and he takes his rightful place as king. And he begins to act like the king and the lion that he really was. And so behavior f- flows from identity. I think that, you know, on the inside of Simba, something said, I can act like the king. Because I am the king. And so many times we don't understand the great potential of how we could live because we don't understand who we are. I can live victoriously in Christ over sin, over darkness, and over the devil because I am a victor. Oh, okay. All right. We'll get back to it at the end. But what we're going to do today is kind of break this down. Holiness, before it can be applied to our behavior, which is normally the only thing that's taught, right? Holiness just in behavior, right? A lot of times that's the only thing we were taught, therefore we don't understand holiness. But before holiness can be applied to our behavior, it must first be understood as it pertains to our identity as Christians, Okay, so we're going to look at one passage of scripture and break it down. And I truly believe today it's going to set you free and set you on a course of a lifelong lifestyle of holiness. To fulfill the call of God to live a holy life as one of his people. It's 2 Peter 2.9. I'm going to read through it and you could follow along on the screen. But you are not like that. For you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Man, that was good. Let's break it down 
phrase by phrase, and even for some part, word by word, and understand this as our identity as Christians. This, my brothers, my sisters, Encounter Church, this is who we really actually are. Feel like it or not, if you've ever understood it or not, if you are saved, if you are born again, this is what you are right here. Ready? The first thing, the first phrase, it says, you're not like that. You are not like that. What in the world is he talking about? Well, you would have had to read the first part of the chapter to understand. But basically, he had just described an ungodly life. Okay? The first part of the chapter describes an ungodly life. And there's some specific words he actually used. Um, it says, he's, he talks about worldly and sinful living. It says, evil behavior, deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, unkind speech, and disobedience and rejection of God's word. Okay? And the first thing he says pertaining to our identity, he tells us what we're not. You know, sometimes in order to understand what we are, we need to understand what we're not, right? Like, for that goose to be able to live like a goose and act like a goose, he needed to understand he was not a goat. And Simba needed to understand he was not a meerkat. He was a lion, right? It's important for us to understand what we're not so we can understand what we are and you know, it's so important to know the Word of God. You've got to know what the Word of God says about you. I must know what the Word of God says about me, what I am and what I, what I ain't, right? You've got to know what you are, and you've got to know what you are not. And right here, Peter starts by saying, you are not like that, okay? You are not like those that live like that, like those that live rejecting God's word, like those that live in disobedience to God's word. That's not what you are, okay? Come on, tell somebody, that's not you. What you are, the next phrase says, and again, we'll probably just, yeah. In the scripture, it says, you're not like that, for you are a chosen okay so you're not like that you are chosen all right chosen now it's it's cool um if you've ever done this to read uh the scriptures in like different translations of it because the different translations of the scripture are doing the very best job to try to describe in our language in english what the bible actually says in this case in greek all right so I'm going to read you about five or so different um, words for that word chosen. The King James Version says, you're peculiar. <laughs> the New King James Version says, you're special. The New Living Translation and the English Standard Version say, you are chosen. The amplified version, which typically gives the most complete explanation, says, you are consecrated and special. Consecrated, that's kind of a big word. Consecrated means not like the rest, set apart from, from everything else, right? Um, and then the Passion Translation says, you are chosen, set apart, and devoted. So, we have to understand, we're not like that, we're not like the rest of the world. We're not like those that live their lives in disobedience to God. We are peculiar, special, consecrated, chosen, set apart, devoted. Come on, somebody say, uncommon. Uncommon. Now let's do it again. Tell somebody, you are uncommon. And now tell them again, but... This time you know what you're talking about. Tell them, you're different. And I don't mean weird different. You might be weird different, but that's, beside, that's really beside the point. We have to understand, listen, 
that the most basic definition of holy, when we say that God is holy, what we're literally saying is you are not like anybody or anything else. You are totally uncommon. Everything else is common and you're uncommon. Everything else is this and you're just different than everything else. To be holy is to be uncommon. It's to be peculiar. It's to be different. It's to look at something and go, well, that's different, right? Holy, uncommon, different, peculiar, chosen, special. What does it mean to be special? Come on, we, I know everybody's special because that's what everybody's mama says, right? You're, we're all special. You're special. I'm special. We're, yes, we are because everybody's different. What does it mean to be special? It means you're different. It means you're not like everybody else. In pertaining to behavior, everybody is not special. It pertaining to lifestyle. Pertaining to relationship with God and living a godly or ungodly life. Not everybody is special. Only some people are special. Most people live like everybody else. Think like everybody else. Watch everything that everybody else watches. Listen to everything else that everybody else listens to. Woo. That was different. Woo. Oh. <laughs> Okay. Whoa. <laughs> He's trying to get you a message now. The Bible says we're chosen, we're special, we're consecrated, we're set apart, we're peculiar. We're just different. Are you different? <laughs> Look at your lifestyle. Are you different? Are you peculiar? Would, would your random person in society go, that Frank dude over there, he's, he's different. He doesn't live like I do. He didn't have the same attitudes. You know, Tara, she talks different than I do. I, I can tell Don thinks differently. What, what do you mean you don't watch that? What do you mean you're not going to that? party what do you mean you don't listen to what do you mean you don't consume that it's probably not how you do it I have no idea but I'm different okay <laughs> what do you mean you don't spend your money what do you mean you don't you don't even tell little white lies you're different you're really peculiar I don't think I've ever met anybody like you and see God is absolutely, perfectly, completely, 100% different. He is different. He is uncommon. He is not like anything else we've ever seen. And the Bible says, if I've been saved and you've been saved, now he's called us to be different like him. Oh, my goodness. Told you it's going to take a few weeks to really unpack this, but you're different. The next, let's just go on so we don't get bogged down on that because, again, I could preach seven messages about being different. But the next phrase says you are royal priests. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about royal and priests, okay? You are royal priests, all right? The word royal, what does that automatically denote? What does it assume? You are part of a kingdom, right? Under a king, part of a kingdom, okay? And it says we are Royal priest. Let me give you both, and then I'll go through each one. Royal is ministers to people, and priest is ministers to God. Okay? Royal means I'm a minister unto people, or a servant of people. Priest means I'm a minister or servant unto God. Okay? Royal. Royal means that I am a representative carrier and bringer of the kingdom. I am royalty. Okay? It doesn't mean I am the king. It means I carry the kingdom. I'm under the kingdom. I represent the king, King Jesus, right? And what do kingdoms exist for? 
They're supposed to exist to, to rule and to reign and serve the people, right? The reason that kings, kings even, like the whole concept of a king is like, we need a leader. Like we need somebody to lead us, to guide us, to, to show us the way, to fight for us, you know? And I know that, you know, king, kingdoms and, 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 and modern governments are, you know, corrupt to the uttermost. But not the king Jesus. Not the kingdom of God. Our king is an absolutely, perfectly righteous, just, fair king. And his kingdom isn't just for him to be called king. Of course it is. But his kingdom exists to bless and to lead and to fight for us. And we are part of, carriers of, representatives of, bringers of the kingdom of God to the earth. We are royal. It means we are servants of the people. It means, let me tell you, you are royal. And I don't know if you knew this, but that means you are a soul winner. You bring people to the king. You are a disciple maker. You teach people how to submit and live for the king. You're a healer and a deliverer. You bring the power of the king into people's lives to bless people, right? You are a proclaimer of God's word. Well, I don't talk very much, but listen. You are a representative of the most high king. You are royal. You are a proclaimer of the kingdom. Rather, you've been proclaiming him much lately or not. That's who you are. It's who you're called to be. But I really like the fact that we're ro- if we are royal, it means we're servants. We're part of the kingdom. We serve the king and we serve the king's people. Come on, say, I'm royal. You're not just royal, you're a priest. And a priest is a minister to God. I made up a few words for this one, so bear with me, but it's going to help you. What does it mean to be a priest? Well, it, it, it literally means to minister to God. You know, we minister to people. We serve and help people. To be a minister to God means that I serve him, right? And to be a minister to God, to be a priest, means I'm a worshiper, I'm a prayer, and I'm an obeyer. I'm a worshiper, I'm a prayer, and I'm an obeyer. In other words, I'm someone who worships, I'm someone who prays, and I'm someone who obeys. I minister to God with my lifestyle that worships Him. I minister to God by having a constant conversation with Him. We call that prayer. And I minister to God by submitting to His Word and obeying it with my life. I'm an obeyer, right? That's what it means to be a priest. It means to serve And minister to God. See, a lot of times we look at ministry as just the way we help other people. And absolutely, that is a big part of ministry. That's something that all Christians are called to do. We're called to serve and help and bless other people. But let me tell you, we're not just royal, we're priests. Our biggest ministry is just straight to Him. To love Him. To worship Him to engage Him, to talk to Him, to submit to Him, to live our life for Him, whatever it means to serve Him. You're a priest for Him. And because of the blood of Jesus, because of the cross of Jesus, there is no longer such thing as a priest. The Bible calls us the priesthood of the brethren, right? We're all kings and priests. We're royal priests unto God. I am a pastor, but I am no more of a priest than you are. Uh Uh-oh. And depending on how you grew up and what theology you learned, you know, in a lot of denominations and most of the church world, the guy standing in front preaching or doing the ceremonies or the liturgy or whatever, however you grew up, he's looked at as someone who has kind of like a more direct connection to God. And that's just absolutely false. 
Jesus' blood wasn't shed more for me than it was for you. Jesus' blood was not shed more for the Pope than it was for you. Jesus' blood was not shed more for Billy Graham than it was for you. We all have equal access to an equal relationship with God Almighty through the blood of Jesus Christ because of what he did on the cross. You are a priest. You might not be living like it. You may not be enjoying the privileges of being a priest, but you are one if you want to be because he's already made that the way for that. You're a priest. What it boils down to is that you have a direct relationship with God. It's not through anybody else. You're the one. You and God have a relationship. Do you? Do you? Do you? See, it's not, the question isn't, am I a Christian and go to church? The question is, do I have, am I exercising a direct relationship with God? I'm, are you a priest? Am I relating to God only through others? Because we definitely do relate to God through others. Absolutely. It's called church, right? But do you, are you enjoying your own direct relationship with God? If not, you can because you are a priest. Amen? You're a royal priest. And then it says, a holy nation. Nation. This is a collective identity. Holiness is individual, but it is also a family matter. Uh Uh-oh, I need to say that one again. It says we're a holy nation. See, holiness is definitely individual. Absolutely. You can't have somebody else's holiness. But it is also a collective identity. It is a family matter. What in the world are you trying to say, Pastor? It's not just a matter of everybody living according to their own personal convictions. We collectively, as a family, commit our lives according to the standards of God's word. But I have convictions, my own personal convictions. If they don't line up with the Bible... They are wrong convictions. You can go all the way to H-E double hockey sticks with your convictions. Please don't. See, yes, is there room for everybody to have your own personal convictions about some things? Yes, But anything that is clear in the word of God, there is no deviation to the right, to the left. It is what it is. It says what it says. Truth is truth. Holiness is holiness. Righteousness is righteousness. Right is right. Wrong is wrong. Light is light. Dark is dark. Come on. And see, it says we're a holy nation. That means if you find yourself like, well... I don't really agree with them over there at church how they all think we're supposed to live. You better check yourself. You better check yourself because this holiness issue, yes, it is personal. Yes, there are some things that are very personal, that are very individual. But for the most part, the standards of the word of God are a blanket absolute for all of us as a family. And to be a holy nation means together collectively, with one heart, with one mind, we decide the standards that are in the word of God, that's what I submit my life to because we're a holy nation. All righty then. Then it says you're God's possession. Oh, I like this one. (laughs) It's not just what you are, it's whose you are. If you want to know what you are, you got to know whose you are, right? 
You got to know who you belong to. And it says, it says we're God's possession, put in parentheses, and not anybody else's. Oh, Jesus. In other words, I don't belong to you. I don't belong to the devil. I don't belong to the world. And this is the hardest one. I don't even belong to myself. If I'm God's possession, it means I'm not even my own possession. I want you to think of something. Something or someone that is your possession and nobody else's. Come on, think. I hope all the spouses thought of their spouse. If you didn't think of that, check yourself. I'm sure most of you that have children thought of your children. I want you to think, just get in your mind, somebody or something that's yours and only yours. Okay? Your possession. And all, now, now, begin to think of the dynamics that are present in that. Lourdes, can just any man come and do whatever he wants to with you? Or would that be a problem for Mr. Pablo? Because you belong to? Him. Only him? He's your only husband. Yeah, we in the New Testament, y'all. All right. All right. All right. I'm not going to get too close because I don't want to make him nervous. But Andy, can just anybody come and grab Olive and do whatever they want to with her? Uh, 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 you better not. <laughs> Travis, can just anybody go grab your wallet and spend your, your money like, like it's theirs? Oh. See, there are some special dynamics present when something belongs to you. It means, can't nobody just come do whatever they want to with what's yours? Now, you are God's possession. I am his possession. In other words, I don't even get to decide for myself. Now, he lets me. It's called a free will, right? But if I truly understand to whom I belong, I'm not going to do whatever I want. I'm going to do whatever he wants. I'm going to use my life however he says. I'm going to look at whatever he says look at. Come on, let's just, let's just be real. I'm going to listen to whatever he says. I'm going to have the relationships he says I should have. I'm going to drink what he says to drink. I'm going to probably not smoke anything that he says to smoke. <laughs> Just had to make sure y'all with me. I'm going to go where he wants me to go. I'm going to talk like he wants me to talk. It's not, you know, it's, my life is not my own anymore. When Jesus went to the cross, he paid the price to Redeem, which literally means to buy back. Okay? Now I belong to him. So, I shouldn't live my life according to what other people want me to do. I shouldn't even live my life according to what I want to do. Because I'm not mine. I'm his. Now, I want you to take that home with you this week. Think of the dynamics. If somebody is yours and only yours, if something belongs to you and only you, what does that look like? And apply that to your relationship with God and how you live your life. We're God's possession. And finally, it says we are light and not darkness. We're light and not darkness. This means... We don't mix in with our surroundings. We change our surroundings. See, when darkness comes to already darkness, nothing changes. 
It's not like darkness gets darker. If it's dark, it's dark. Right? If I'm living a, like everybody else around me, I won't even be noticeable, really. Right? But holiness means, if you look at my life, I don't mix in. Now, that doesn't mean I look down at, I point my finger at, I just, No. It just simply means it's very noticeable that I'm different. If it isn't noticeable, watch out for the darkness. See, a lot of times we try to live for Jesus, but kind of still just kind of blend in with the way everybody thinks and talks and, and does and the, 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 the go with the flow of the culture and society. And we just kind of mix in. We don't want to ruffle feathers. But listen, when there's darkness and all of a sudden light shows up, the surroundings change. Light is noticeable. You can't turn on darkness in the dark room <laughs> you can only turn on the light and so holiness our identity as a holy people means we don't just mix in but we change our surroundings notice it says he called us out of in other words that's where we used to be right we all used to be in darkness and maybe you're here this morning and you're in darkness let me tell you just like that the light can turn on. You can be pulled, snatched out of darkness and brought into light in a millisecond because that's the power of the gospel. That's the power of the, the love and the blood of Jesus Christ. You can be forgiven of your sins in an instant, the very moment you repent, the very moment I turn my heart away from sin in this world and I turn my heart to God. It's all over. I'm pulled out, I'm rescued out of the darkness, and I'm brought into the light. But now i got to live my life in the light. Now i got to start learning what it means to be different. And that's what we're going to be learning a lot over the next several weeks about holiness, right? Just to be done, if we understand who we are, which is identity, then we can begin to live like it. Behavior. Behavior flows from identity. I will live like what I am. And remember, listen, remember. I want you to remember who you remember who you are. The Bible, which is God's word, which is true because he doesn't lie. God says you're holy to him. That rather you've understood it, rather you've been living like it or not, that's what he says about you if you're saved. You're called to live a holy life. You're a holy people, a holy nation. You're light and not darkness. You are uncommon. Just say one more time, uncommon. Now, I want to go back to my poem because now I think it's really going to make a lot of sense. I do not, not because I cannot. I do not because I am not. I do not just because I can. I do because of who I am. Identity matters. Listen, I do not look at pornography not because I cannot. I do not. I choose to not because I am not immoral. That's not who I am. I do turn away from pornography, not just because I can, because I have the power to, but because I am pure to God. It's because of who I am. I do not take drugs. Not just because I cannot, because I can, right? I don't because I am not addicted. That's not what God says about me. I am not. I do live free from addiction, not just because I can, but because I am free. 
I do not boil over and lash out in anger because I cannot. I do not because I am full of the righteousness, peace, and joy of the Holy Ghost. Because I am full of the fruit of the Spirit. I do live with righteousness, peace, joy, kindness, gentleness. Not just because I can, but because I am a child of God and I look like Him. I do not lie because I cannot because you all know we can, right? I do not lie because I am not a liar. That's just not who I am anymore. Some of you need to say that's just not who I am anymore. I can tell the truth not just because I can but because I am a truthful person. It's who I am. You know, I don't get drunk, not because I cannot, but because I am not a drunk. I can not, I can, right? I can be sober, not just because I can, but because that's who I am, I'm sober. Apply that to whatever you wish and whatever you may. I cannot, it's not I cannot, it's I am not. It's not just I can, it's who I am. Amen. Come on, stand to your feet. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I really believe God spoke to you through his word today and is moving in your life. If you'd like more information about Encounter Church or you'd like to give your tithes and offerings, you can visit our website at EncounterChurchAtlanta.org. I'd also like to invite you to share this message on social media. Thanks again.